no scripted intro, no witticisms, just uh, James and I here uh, a little bit more than an hour after the Lovecraft Country premiere on HBO, and we are talking about it. We haven't fully formed our thoughts yet. We're, we're kind of going on a lot of gut reactions at this point, but we figured it was this is something we've been looking forward to for a long time. We've been talking about for a while. If you've been paying attention to the Facebook feed, I've been incessantly posting things about Lovecraft Country coming up, so we were anxiously awaiting it, and so we're just kind of uh, reviewing it for um, for all intents and purposes right now. And I guess I've read the novel. James has not, so we're going to come at it from a little bit different perspective, perhaps, but I guess uh, I, I kind of want to start... I, I don't have a script. I don't have notes. I don't have anything. James and I are just kind of talking. So, But I, James, I am curious, as someone who has not read anything about the book or necessarily about the show, what are some top-line impressions that you take away from just this first episode? Um, yeah, so, yeah, just being familiar with the book, ordering it beforehand and being lazy even during the <laughs> pandemic and not reading it, um, which I tend to do. Uh, I mean, first off, I have to say, like, the the look of the show. Yeah. You know, the, the cinematography is mm-hmm. spot on. Like, it's just... The, you know, the, the ambience or the ambiance, you want to say, like, of the show is fantastic. And the, the set, you know, the set pieces, you know, the period set pieces is something that I also am always drawn to. Like the 1950s Jim Crow America mm-hmm. and especially, which is crazy, especially in the times that we are living in now and especially going through the protests, you know, George Floyd's murder and other people that have been murdered by police, by just random white, you know, white people aggression of hatred. And it's like seeing it in a show and like me just being a white kid from New York City and cringing every time like these poor, you know, just these these three people have to drive through and fear for their lives and know the telltale signs of aggression that's about to occur mm-hmm. and like and to me that's kind of the other thing I'll take from it you know this is a this is quote unquote you know a horror show it's based on a book we know we're gonna have creatures we do have creatures in this episode but mm-hmm. I'm more scared of the people the you know, you know the creatures when we do see them. They're just attacking, at least from now, from from my point of view, just as animalistic beings. And then something happens. Maybe we'll spoil it. Maybe we won't. But the people just just out of nowhere, when they just spot black people coming into their town, they're going to go hunt for them. And it's like and then the, the corrupt sheriff that we meet and his crew and just, you know, like the whole like slamming them on the ground and like just putting the shotguns and cocking the shotgun and like seeing the fear in their eye and just them trying to explain why they're passing through. And then the sheriff just like stuff, like scenes like that just had me on the the edge of my seat and them getting chased. And then something stopping the one car from the truck, from getting them like flipping over. And you're like, what, what did that? And this progression of them trying to find um, Atticus's father who's gone missing and what the hell's going on. And like, so me, this first episode, and especially the way it ends, it's to me a, like 
a great pilot episode for a show where you're like, okay, I'm in. I want to know what happens next. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. You know, it starts off slow, but then you, you get all these little twinges of character development and world building and like crazy dream dreams, excuse me. And just the literary references and the music of all these different people. And then the James Baldwin excerpt from his yeah. debate and with Buckley. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is, fantastic and i'm like how can someone not like this show at least from any of those aspects so i'm already i'm all in i'm i'm in love with it i love the the aesthetic i love all the actors and yeah like i can't wait to see the next nine episodes and see where they go with this yeah i'm i'm pumped i mean i I had been looking forward to this for a while and i love even just just how it starts out with that dream sequence Um, and it just it throws all of these like science fiction pop culture elements all in all in with each other and then jackie robinson comes in and like vanquishes cthulhu but maybe not because then cthulhu reforms but it really i i think it's it's a great way to kind of start out the series the episode and even to kind of let let viewers know about our character Atticus Freeman played by Jonathan Majors who first time I I think I saw him anything was last black man in San Francisco and he's fucking Mm -hmm. fantastic in that um but I know Matt Ruff has said in interviews that um you know he wanted to write this book one of the reasons he wanted to write it was to kind of write about black nerds because yeah it's a it's a demographic which definitely exists but you don't see them really depicted very much and so you you have this guy who yeah reads John Carter of Mars, which is that's problematic for who, the author of that. But then he also loves all this science fiction stuff, and just um, it was a great way to kind of kickstart everything. And this is probably no surprise to you. There's no dream sequence like that in the book. It just you know it, it it's Matt Ruff's uh, style of writing is very simple and i don't say that in a pejorative sense but just like he he doesn't give you a whole lot of details there's not a terrible amount of dialogue um Mm -hmm. and which is kind of good because that gave um you know that gave uh misha green and you know uh, jordan peele probably more more freedom to we're going to expand upon these characters and there is a great deal i'll get into details a little bit later but there is a great deal of stuff which was invented for this pilot episode or uh just stuff that was that existed in like a, in a little bit um, on the page, but then they they expand upon and they build upon it. You know, they take the core truth of like these two people's relationships. We're gonna invent this scene to flesh that out a little bit. Um, we see that with uh, Tisha and her uh, her brother, and you know that violent argument, that kind of thing. But you kind of yeah. um, get a sense of who they are and their relationships and that sort of thing. Or and even um, how there's stuff which is coming a little bit later that they kind of move back here i mean you talk about uh that there's a that great scene or the great scene but that exchange when they're trapped in in the cabin with the police officer and he's screaming monsters aren't real which is well that's cute coming from this fucking actual monster right you know? um and and i i mean you mentioned um just this idea of this real life terror and yeah, it's there are some parts like especially the the car chase where you kind of your initial response or your initial impulse may just be like, well, this seems a little dramatic. Except that happened in actual parts in this country's history. Right. 
right. those signs that we see before they go into a town mm-hmm. and you're just like, you know, and then seeing the colored sections and, and it's like, you know, it's one of those things like you can never erase that. And I'm glad a show like this will show it because sadly you'll, you'll have people go, oh, it wasn't that bad. No, it was that bad. Like yeah. in Jim Crow America, it was like, it's like, I'm happy. I didn't have to live through that time. And I'm a white person. <laughs> let alone I can only imagine what people had to live through and how many people had to like, you know, die, you know, like because of just hatred for no reason, you know, for just a reason of a a skin color, you know, and that's kind of what we see in this show right away. Like right away, it's judgment of skin color, you know, Oh, I don't like you because you're black. I mean, it it took, it took a, a, an entirely white jury only maybe an hour and a half to uh, acquit the two men that uh, lynched Emmett Till and then due yeah. to uh, uh, double jeopardy laws, they then later gave an interview admitting that they did it and talked about why they did it. Um, yeah, so, it's so, disgusting. Yeah, yeah. So, the, so this shit exists and the episode, this pilot episode is called Sundown because of, you know, this idea of a sundown town, which... Um, this is one of the the changes that I think the the show does really well because that story of a sheriff pulling over someone and explaining him, you know, do you know what a sundown town is? You have seven minutes to get out of here before the sun sets, or I'm going to hang you. It, yeah. It's in the book that it, the way it's conveyed, it's it's relayed to Atticus by someone else. So it's like an anecdote that he hears to kind of reemphasize the terrible place that he is currently geographically in. So to make it happen to their actual characters is a much more effective tool to not just um, give the the show some some conflict and tension and, and stakes, but also to introduce, like, this is one of the things that, we, that Matt Ruff meant when he said Lovecraft Country was the people that had attitudes towards people that were not like them. Um, if I can make a plug for somebody else's podcast... <laughs> Um, <laughs> shortly before I, I watched this episode, I was listening to um, this episode of the podcast called Imaginary Worlds, and it's, and it's called Inverting Lovecraft, and it's basically delving into that racial history and talking with African, or not even specifically African American authors, but just authors of color talking about what kind of stuff exists in his fiction, how people can invert it basically for whatever their own purposes are and i i forget who it is but he he, uh, we don't have to get too much into this but he talked about this idea of cancel culture and this kind of thing like no no no, let's cancel him as a human but let's take his world because what he created was actually pretty great um in a way um and that's what we've said you know like these filmmakers and storytellers taking the the best parts of what lovecraft created and mm -hmm. just giving it a new home and expanding upon that and making new worlds from it. And that's what people did after Lovecraft died too. So like, why not keep expanding upon it? But yeah, cancel the person. Like who, we don't champion the man, but we champion the stories. We champion what could be from these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, no, and it's, and one of the things that I loved is that we spent so much time with these characters relative amount of time before they actually set off on the road um and just like the the area in chicago and just that world in which they live that that neighborhood i know like objectively i know that it's it's segregated they're trying to stay away for their own safety but like the the 
that neighborhood and that environment that the show creates is like it's so exciting and vibrant and friendly and just like oh, I I want to spend time here. I want to hang out here. Um, and just kind of let you know who these people are and like what's at stake for these folks that are going to travel into into the unknown. Yeah, and I, I love the the um, one of the things I love is like you know they're familiar with Lovecraft and yeah the the, the man himself and how don't you know don't like the guy you know you can tell right away don't like the guy like what like <laughs> oh this is not the story like what does Atticus say like oh, is that the story with the the pro- something like he's basically saying problematic yeah, oh, yeah and you know what i mean and i just love but then what i love is then they reference it because of the note that uh montrose um atticus's father left behind but doesn't sound like him yeah and then he thinks look it's like like lovecraft country you know arkham but it actually it's Arkham, mm-hmm. a town that's not on the map was hasn't been you know, in the books for over like 200 years. So right away that tells you, okay, this is bad stuff. This is not, <laughs> this is not good. This is like, this is like in the mouth of madness type of stuff where, oh, you're going to a place that's not supposed to exist anymore, but it has this big, you know, mansion spire. And you're like, <laughs> and you know, when we finally see it, but, and the hell they have to go through to get there. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like they had to go through this crazy journey. And this is already, and that's just the first episode. Yeah. And this and- journey. <laughs> and all instigated by the fact that Montrose like allegedly went off trying to investigate ancestry, which is a big theme in Lovecraft stuff. This idea of mm-hmm. um, the sins of the father visited upon you know the uh, other sons, and or, or just this idea of an inescapable fate, which is kind of you're born into it. Um, which right. is w- once you learn more about Lovecraft and you realize it, kind of like no, a, a, a guy who is who was born into a well-to-do family who sort of resented his family for losing that fortune and that legacy and just who saw people that did not look like him as inferior and just that kind of thing. Like, no, you, you were you were born worse or you're born better and you can't move up, you can't move down, that kind of a thing. Um, right. So it even introduces those, those scenes and doesn't nail you over the head with it. Like, they have that little talk about, like, ancestry and then that's kind of it. They're not They're not coming back to him being like, Oh, and he said this about the thing, or or we're, we want to discover more about this kind of a thing. We want to discover more about our birthright. Like you see that in like the at the end, a little like in the upcoming weeks in Lovecraft Country. But for this, yeah. it, it gives you enough. And like you said, with the car, um, that car that comes in there, and then the truck flips over. If you blink, you'll miss it. But it's also like the truck yeah. was feet away when it flipped over. Yes. So it's like, oh, wait, oh, uh, wait, what just happened? there right and then it's just and they make the car that might have done it um poignant enough like it's this beautiful silver Mm -hmm. car and then at the end they look at it and they realize wait isn't that the car Mm -hmm. they don't have to even say it and that and that's kind of like what i want from my stories on either tv or film like you don't have to tell me yeah just give me a little like look a nod to me that's like speaks more volumes than wait isn't that the card when yeah. That- <laughs> yeah yeah we we didn't need courtney b vance in like a clearly 80 yard little dialogue bit like oh that was the same it's like yeah we, we right. get it yeah yeah I, that's what i appreciate it like yeah i mean like i'm on this like I, you know I, I don't know if people know this about me but it's hard for me to get into tv shows like mm-hmm. like especially newer tv shows i don't know why it is 
I just I'll watch an episode of something or people will keep telling me, you got to watch this. You got to watch this. And then I go, no, I don't. And I never will like, or I'll wait, I'll wait 10 years and then finally watch something that was heralded as a masterpiece, unless it's something that I specifically, you know, searched for, you mm-hmm. know, but like this was something that because of not even just our podcast, but just in general, I was like, okay, this has the makings of something very interesting just the idea and, you know, and knowing of the book, but still like not reading it, but going, okay, well you have Jordan Peele involved, but you even have JJ Abrams involved. Okay. So mm-hmm. he's like more of like the big money you now, like doing the big budget stuff. And then Jordan Peele is like, you know, doing his own thing. But then you get Misha Green, who my mom like loved the show underground, mm-hmm. like loved it. Like, like was, Every time we'd visit, she she would just be talking about it. And I'm like, wow. My, and my mom watches a lot of TV, but when she talks about certain shows that she likes, there's a reason why she's telling me, because she knows I would like it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, she she won't talk to me about Survivor, because she knows I ain't going to watch that. <laughs> but, like, certain shows, she'll be like, oh, yeah. And then being blown away that um, Letitia um, is played by Journey Smollett, mm-hmm. who... I know her from Full House. Really? She was she was Michelle's friend. Oh my God! That little oh yes. no way. That's her. Yes, it blew my mind watching this and going that name, that name, that name. I know that name because it's so unique. And I'm like, why does that name look so familiar? I'm like, well, I got to do the search. I got to do the IMDb search, and going, okay, well, all right. I just saw her in the Harley Quinn movie. She was Black Canary. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. she's great in that. I'm like, yeah. okay, but. Like, but this show specifically had me going, but why else do I recognize it? And then going, oh my God, she's the little girl in Full House. And I and she had like a big role in that as, quote unquote, the, sadly, the token black person on yeah. Full House. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, she's, see, look, we're all inclusive. You know, we have a black friend on the show. That's what most uh, TGIF shows did back then, unless yeah. it was Family Matters and they... Family Matters would do it the, the opposite. They would have the one token white guy friend <laughs> of course. on the show. But, but yeah, she's fantastic. You know, Jonathan Majors, I, I love that guy. So you know, good. Courtney yeah. B. Vance is fantastic. Like, I remember him from Dangerous Minds back in the day. Um, and, like, but, like, you have all these great little, this, just the, the combination of them, the trio. I just, I, I just love them together. And, you know, I know from, you know, from shows and stuff, you know, when you make a show, there's main cast and there's recurring cast. Yeah. Um, and then seeing, you know, when I'm looking up stuff, oh, let me look at this name and that's name. And I'll go, oh, Courtney B. Vance is a recurring character. So it seems maybe he'll take a back seat, maybe going forward, mm-hmm. you know. And But I also love um, his wife, you know, Atticus's aunt, um, yeah. Hippolyta. And like... What I love about her is like she's such a like nerd about the stars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, she just wants to it for adventure. And there's one scene in, in this episode that if I if I wasn't as tired as I am, because today's my first day on vac- you know, vacation, so I haven't really slept much. <laughs> um the the um conversation on the phone mm. between George and her and where he basically says the next adventure, he just wants to go with her. Yeah. Which almost sounds like, you know, that finally we could just have time away together. Mm-hmm. 
and she just puts the phone like on her chest and then comes back and it's just this beautiful moment and I'm like oh it's so good I'm like I would like I started like tearing up like oh man okay this is you got me show you know you got me with the 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 crazy stuff but you also got me with the little moments and you know just character moments and and really that's to do with the actors you know when you have actors that can convey this without much you know theatrics Mm -hmm. just little moments you know makes a show that has this crazy concept of wait are there actual lovecraftian like monsters wait wait, there are like there's all (laughs) these like beasts and you're like and people get transformed into them from bites and you're like okay this is this is crazy. Where is this even going? But then you can keep me with the characters and like any good horror movie will have more of a shelf life. If the characters, you know, you care about them, you, you will, you will like be devastated when they die or Mm. if they get threatened, you know, if it's a, if it's a movie where it's like a bunch of characters you hate, yeah, you'll love it for like the kills, but you're cheering on the villain then. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of like what I, try to tell people like yeah i like a lot of slasher films but it's really because the people are just so despicable you want the killer to kill them all <laughs> yeah. you know you want you understand why the killer wants revenge on them you know mm-hmm. you're like oh there's a reason for it but when a, when a movie or like a show has characters that you're like oh man I, I i want these people to last to the end i don't want them to be harmed but i know they're gonna go through hell mm-hmm. and that just scares me and that's actually exciting for me with a show and that's why i'm like i'm all in you know yeah definitely yeah if you're gonna get invested you have to care about the people who are going to be going through the shit and that was another thing that i think the show does so well is validating these black characters and like as people and it starts out with the opening uh the the introduction to uncle george courtney b vance is he's lying in bed with his wife and yeah. he, he wants to have sex with her during the daytime. He says, I want to see my wife. And it's just this idea of, like, I, like you are a person and I want to be with you. And it's not this seeing yeah. as, like, these white people who leer or glare or just, like, you're a thing. He's like, I want to see my wife. And, and then there's the moment in the, in the middle of the car chase when he says, when he, he, he's screaming at Letitia and he says, like, slow down, girl, or take it easy, girl. And she's like... I'm not girl, I'm Letitia fucking Lewis. And, like, she yeah. names herself, like, I'm a person. This is who I am. And then that moment you talked about when he's like, I just, let's take a trip together. And she puts the phone down. It's like, God damn, these are yeah. fucking people. And it's, it is so beautiful. Um, but I, I know. But I also love that the show doesn't take the approach of, um, well, of course we know the races are bad, so we're going to make our, our African-American characters perfect and without blemish. Exactly. Um, right. Thank so, you for pointing that out, yes. Yeah, yeah. because um, obviously Atticus and his dad don't get along, and no. you can tell just based on the description that Montrose is probably kind of an asshole in many regards. Um, yes. You can tell there's some tension between, especially when it comes to authority how there are differences i mean uncle george is kind of like yes sir like we'll do whatever and and you see atticus is like i want to punch this fucking guy out and there's going to be these different reactions to how to respond to society and it just kind of makes sense because even though this takes place in the 1950s what i saw was sort of this 
an attitude that you can see nowadays where there's kind of a generation and you see this in a little bit in do the right thing too where we have the mayor who has one approach to how we should interact with others or how we should interact with authority and then you have mookie and others who are just like no fuck it man like no i'm not gonna do that anymore right um, and so to, to see that taken you know from a very much a contemporary attitude or, or split in attitudes and seeing that kind of transpose the 1950s, what I thought was a really interesting approach. No, I agree. And like, I'm glad you say like, you know, characters with flaws, even like they don't have to be like, I hate when, you know, shows or movies will have like this, you know, great character, you know, like a guy. Let's, and, and a lot of times it's a guy. Sure. And then, and then they'll do this. They'll go, Oh, but then he like cheats on his wife just to give him a little edge. It's like, no, now he's a scum. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like to me, like that's, and it's like this trope that I hate, you know, it's like, or someone that'll do something like really screwed up and you're like, why would I cheer for him now? But like, you know, at, you know, you could tell just by the way he speaks and the way just his look and the way he sees things that Atticus has seen some shit, mm -hmm. you know, like, especially in the Korean war, you're like, and, and and that's the other thing with with like this whole Jim Crow era and like you know sadly stuff like this shit goes on today mm -hmm. where he's a war hero yet he's treated like an animal yeah mm -hmm. you know what I mean he's looked upon as garbage and it's like you know if it wasn't and 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 you can see from when he's having a conversation with George you know his uncle about Montrose and how Montrose basically like you said kind of an asshole kind of almost like disowned his son for going to war yeah and then and then possibly not only doing that and like being pissed about that with him but then now you can convince other black folk to go and yeah do the same and like protect these racist pieces of shit yeah. like you know and like i love like that like alone tells you a lot about montrose who i can't wait to see him because he's played by one of my favorite actors michael k williams <laughs> yeah um, he's an asshole, but you can kind of understand partially why he's an asshole in that era of America. You're like, oh yeah, he's, he remember he's older. So he went through a lot of other shit himself and no, who knows what he's seen, you know? And it's like one of those things where, you know, the shit that like, it, it just trickles down and like, you know, you know, and it's something like I, you know, I have friends that tell me like, you know, it's hard for them to sadly trust white people to be friends with them as much as other, because it's like, well, I don't know if you have some sort of ulterior motive or, and that's kind of like in this show, you kind of already see this society, like these white people, like, especially from what I can tell, like the, the man and the woman that we're going to see, they seem a little too nice to Atticus and Letitia. <laughs> like, and, and then like that little thing with the coming up with, you know, I love the whole thing. They might not want you here, but you belong here. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, what does that even mean? Like, you know, like that's intriguing to me where you go, oh crap. Okay. Something's, something's not right. Even by them who they seem like great guys, you mm -hmm. know, but then again, you know, stuff, stuff like, you know, the line that, um, Atticus has when he's talking about being a science fiction fan, even though he's, reading the the one story with a confederate soldier you know john carter of mars you know yeah. 
stories are like people it doesn't make them perfect but you cherish them even with their flaws yeah mm. it's such a great line where you can be understanding and there's a point to like if someone has flaws and that they're not just doing it out of hate but they're doing it maybe because they've been taught by terrible people you might be able to sway them maybe one day or maybe that person is kind of like on the fence like they've you know they were taught one way but They've never seen people do that before. So maybe, you know, it's, it's just this crazy concept of like, yeah, we all have flaws and some have bigger ones than others. But like you can tell Atticus wants the best and sees the best of people, but he's also a realist, you know, even yeah. from the very beginning, you know, like when he's on the bus and, you know, he wakes up and it's him and just one other black person and they're not, the, you know, they have to sit, you know, sit in the back and then when it breaks down, they don't get into a ride into the next town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're left behind. So whatever, you know, doesn't matter if you paid to get on the bus. Yeah. We're not going to treat you the same. You know, we're going to have to go towards, you know, where we have to go. But like, yeah, it's just the world building. Even like we're talking about one episode and there's so much that stuck with me. And that's already something that a lot of shows, sometimes I'll watch it in like an hour later, but like, what happened on that show again? Like, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. like, wait, what was that? Like, so it's kind of like it hit these like beats of just a just a great pilot episode where it would be one of those things like if this never got picked up and it just they just made a pilot and it like leaked, you'd be like, why wasn't this made into a show? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's so good that you're like, oh, okay, there's so many things that and all these clues and you're already like, I don't even know what the hell this Arden town is or is it supposed to be like Arkham but it's like the more evil version like there's all these things that me not reading the book and I'm not reading about the book I just know the book is structured differently right like it's eight different interconnected stories in chapters the book is very much Matt Ruff says that when he started writing the book he kind of imagined it to sort of be like the X-Files but two black characters kind of going through the country and so in the x-files very much had that there was a a, a, what they called the myth arc of like a a central story that they would continue throughout all nine seasons but also had monster of the week episodes is what they called them and so he imagined this to be the same thing And, and so that's that is very similar in the sense of um the first the first chapter is is very much following this story atticus and Uncle George and Letitia trying to find Montrose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they... And this isn't spoilers for the book, but they do eventually track him down and find out what has happened. But then the next chapter focuses on maybe the Hippolyta character and just her one story disconnected from everyone else, basically. And okay. then the next one might jump back to someone else. And so I will be curious to see how the show intermingles that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, kind of makes it more of an ensemble thing because, like, uh, that was that was the approach that Game of Thrones took too. The book was very much a, a point of view chapter of like, okay, we're gonna this is 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 Ned Stark, and the yes. next chapter is Tyrion Lannister. But the show, obviously, being an ensemble, mixes everyone's kind of stories together. Um, so I'll be curious to see how that goes. One one thing that uh, I was curious about that I want to get your thoughts of: what did you mm-hmm. make of um, Atticus calls South Korea? And there's that brief exchange where he doesn't even oh. say anything and then kind of hangs up immediately. It's it's like a woman on the other line. Mm-hmm. And, like, like, yeah, I that alone, that that's another thing that just creep, that creeped me out. Because, like, what the hell was that about? Because, like, 
who's he calling? Mm-hmm. You know, who's this woman? And remember, like, he was in the war. So, like, it, I don't even know. Like, I have no idea. It's just whoever that person is knows some shit's about to happen. Yeah, because I, I, <laughs> I can't remember the exact line, but she's like, you know, Atticus, is that you? Um, yes. You went home. You never should have or something. And he hangs up right away. And yeah, uh, they're, they're, I'm wondering if there's something supernatural or creepy about it. But one thing that I was also reminded of was um, there's a, a not a really a subplot, but some points in a in Spike Lee's uh, Five Bloods, which came out on Netflix this year, where they they depict based on stuff that happened in real life. Um, Vietnamese propaganda directed towards African American soldiers in the United States Army, where it's like, why are you fighting for a country that hates you, basically? Right. Um, and yeah, valid question. And I just kind of wonder if that, if the woman's like, why did you go home? Like, they don't want you there, if that's the subtext, basically. Right. Is it that, or is it something more because of his quote unquote dreams? Mm-hmm. And like, like we don't know. And I, I kind of love both sides of that. It could, it could be either one, it could just be straight up. No, like, didn't you learn? It's it's still shit there. Like, yeah. it's not it's not the land of the free, home of the brave. You know, like like yeah. what do you you know why did you leave? Mm-hmm. Or it could be, you know, those dreams they're they're real, and you're gonna be seeing those worse those things that you didn't know existed. <laughs> you yeah. know, in the dark, in the dark. You know, and that and I kind of like the whole concept of like the the monsters being afraid of light. You know, like it pains them. Like mm-hmm. they bur- they burrow into the ground when like the lights shine on them and like like I, and i love like how violent it got but they did it pretty clever like where it was just you know gory but in the dark so you only saw like glimpses like of the the hardness like of like the arm getting torn off and like the head being bitten right off and and not to say it looks it looked bad but you do kind yeah. of get the sense that the the CGI, if done in, in full daylight, would be like, eh, okay, this is right. a, a little iffy. This was like to protect that. But we'll probably get to see something later on. Maybe, okay, we're going to have like the big thing in the daytime, but that's like the last episode. You know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. when we have, you know, we could still work on that in post for the next 10 weeks mm. as opposed to like, okay, that didn't have to be that good. Like it could look good enough. And we can go on for there. Mm. I also you you had mentioned the the James Baldwin quote, which I kind of love because I don't know if you did this. I I was watching it with the the captions on because we we run the air conditioning, so we just kind of need to see and to to take in that full quote that he was talking about and just like he's it it seemed like to me like he's basically talking about inherent racism, that kind of thing of like you you know being subjected to a system you may not even be aware of. I believe it's Ibram uh, Ibram Kendi, which kind of talks about like you know we we used to talk about it as like you're you're either racist or you're not racist, and it's like no, you're either racist or you're anti-racist. You there is no middle ground, right? And you have to acknowledge biases that exist within you. So when someone's like, no, 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 I'm not racist, like well, what they meant is like, well, I've never called someone the n-word or I've never you right. know, donned a white hood, but it's like no, but there are things within you which you don't. You may not even be aware of what your natural impulses are, or where does that reaction come from. So I, I thought that was right. a great, a great little quote to kind of throw in there, especially over the scenes of like, there's oh. the ice cream stand where they showed like colored side, white side. Um, yeah. And if you notice with with the clever thing with that the ice cream scene, mm-hmm. the white people were being served, the black people were they were just waiting. I did. While not. while if you look at it, 
And I kind of saw it, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's so subtle. Hmm. The white people inside the ice cream shop were laughing it up with the white folk. Mm-hmm. And while the black family's waiting We're just there. waiting, yeah. No, and, and, Patiently, but just waiting. And to, to have that quote Ugh. about an inherent bias playing over a scene where there's a blatant bias just kind of reiterates or, or kind of reminds people, like, this, this is... We're not past this. We no. Sure, we 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 have um we've barred it quote legally, and you know people can can mix and and go to the same store and drink out of the same water fountain that kind of thing. But th- this is not this has not gone away. No, and 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 to say you know like you said, it's illegal to do that. But there are places still in this country that black people will not go to oh yeah because they know that store is some way or that town is you know what happened the last time you know our friend went there. you know it's and that's what's scarier that it isn't illegal you know it is illegal but it's still there it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what the legality of it is like if 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 we you know oh everything's illegal but it's still crime mm-hmm. because it, people don't care you know there's still murder well, you go to jail if you murder. Well, you do, unless you live in a place where yeah. that you don't have to worry about that because you could just say that they committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And we've been seeing that happen yeah. in today's day and age. And that kind of stuff like that, just this episode, and I, I believe the show is going to do it so well where kind of, and, and to be honest, it it's, you know, Jordan Peele being behind it, stuff like Get Out with yep. that, that inherent racism, but like, Oh, I love black people. I love that black show. I love that. You know what I mean? Like I would have like, voted for Obama a third time if I could. Right, right. And you go, you don't say that to a black person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, okay, you're cool. Okay, you don't have to keep telling me you're not racist. Like, oh no, uh, you know, I love this thing. I love that. I love rap music. And you go, do you really? Or are you just saying that because you just want to? And 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 to me, sometimes that's actually. Not more racist, but it's as racist as someone just calling someone the N word. Like, you're you're trying too hard to show you're not, but you still have that bias because you're looking at that person as a black person. Where you're like, let me just show them how cool I am. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not that white, mm-hmm. and it's something I've seen people do. Like I've seen friends of mine act differently, and it's not. I'm not saying they they look down upon them, but like, it's all of a sudden they start acting a little more, which is funny. Cause like I've been, I've been friends with a lot of quote unquote, they'll, they'll say quote unquote black nerds mm-hmm. where people will start talking to me, yo bro, what's up? <laughs> and like, <laughs> and they're like, we're just looking at each other. Like what the hell? <laughs> yeah. And they just, and they, and they just kind of laugh about it because you know, it's better than being, you know, to them. It's like, okay, well, whatever as long as they're not trying to kill me i'll yeah. i'll just take it in stride you mm-hmm. know but like that's why this also resonates with me because like the whole nerdy side of things and like you said it's not depicted as much because i actually don't know why it's not depicted as much you know like i mean because you know you have you tell jordan peele jordan peele is a self-professed nerd mm-hmm. yeah you can tell by what he makes and what he's said and like Key and Peele alone, the show, has so many nerdy things in it. Like, come on. <laughs> you have you have sketches about Gremlins 2. Oh, that's such a good sketch. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Family Matters, where Urkel is like complete like he's like Urkel's basically like a Lovecraftian demon. I've not in seen that, that one, no. Oh, you gotta see that one. You'll watch it and you go, 
oh my god, this is it's him almost to me. It's like doing like a Lovecraftian thing, but in the world of family matters. <laughs> That's all I'll say to you. But you know, and like him just doing these like fake trailers for horror movies, and you could tell this guy like just wanted to make movies, mm-hmm. and then got the chance yep. and hit it out of the park mm-hmm. because of the talent and like. But it's just funny to me because even Hollywood, as you know, they try to be as progressive as they can. But it's almost like, hey, hey, look, we're, we're all inclusive. We're getting Jordan Peele all the, you know, like the press. Mm-hmm. But you know, but there's like a hundred other black filmmakers that deserve the same press. And luckily, people like Jordan Peele and others speak up for you know those people. Oh, you should be watching this person's film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or they'll. Like, or, you know, we have the Candyman remake coming out by Nia Costa, and, like, Jordan Peele keeps saying, I didn't make the movie. <laughs> and I love that. Like, it's not like, oh, you know, it's my name on it. Yeah, but it's just to get that rub. Yeah. To give the rub for someone else that deserves that chance that he got, mm-hmm. you know, a few years ago. So, we're, we're going on a crazy tangent. Yeah, no, but, but, like... <laughs> but that connects to, like, because, you know, it's, you know, they said, like, you know, uh, produce, executive produced by Jordan Peele and J.J. Abrams, and some people are like, kind of like, ugh, fucking J.J. Abrams, but also, like, um, yeah. if you, like, also maybe look at this as, like, here's how you use your white privilege. Elevate someone else's stuff. Kind of be like, I got the clout, I got the power, so I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm going to put this in front of people. Yeah, and, and like, you know, like, some, even like, like, even you look at someone like Ryan Reynolds just started that, I think, that collective, I think, where he wants to focus on helping young people of color mm-hmm. make the films and act in the films and produce the films and just because he has the clout. Yeah. Nothing more. He's not trying to do it for goodwill. He's just saying like he just wants to see more of that. Of course you have people go, Oh, oh, look at the you know, the white savior. Yeah. You know, like like you know, you have raised and it's like, okay, you know what? Sometimes you everyone needs everyone you could either be like evil or like it's like chaotic evil or chaotic good. It's like, no, you could be a little bit on either side, you know. But I don't know. I kind of like that people. If you have the clout, help, you know. Like throw in, you know, if you're watching something and you know you have people that like you know steal stuff on torrents. But if you like it, you know what? Maybe you should put a few bucks into the the tip jar. You know, don't be a dick mm-hmm. and just be like, oh, I love the, I love that movie. It's like, but how did you see it? Oh, I. I Torrent did it. Oh, so you just fucked over five thousand people's jobs? No, I didn't. It, it doesn't hurt. No, it doesn't hurt Tom Cruise, but it hurts right, yeah, the yeah. thousands of people that work below Tom Cruise. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I hate that mentality of like, oh, it's Hollywood production. They have hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, most of that stuff goes to the rich people in the in the production. Right, and it's you know, it's like, what are you talking about? You know, who also might have enjoyed some residuals from that is like. The screenwriter, who for the most part does not get the same kind of uh, clout and recognition that you know Tom Cruise does, or the director does, or the big studio does. But um, right. we, we one thing because I want to I want to talk about the conclusion. But before we <laughs> get into that, just a little thing. Um, another kind of slight change from from uh, the book, which I think goes towards this idea of validating characters. Um, two characters in the show are they're their sexes have been switched. Oh, so, okay. uh, um, D the, the little, the, the, uh, Charles or George's daughter who draws the comics in the book is a, is a, uh, that's his son. Um, oh, so they okay. switch that. And then also the, um, the, as of, uh, now 
not mentioned um blonde woman who is driving the silver ford in the Mm -hmm. book is a man okay Uh, and we are we are going to learn more about the significance of that character as the show and as the book goes along i won't say Mm -hmm. anything about spoilers that kind of thing but so but it, it is I'll say it's significant that they changed the sex of that character in the show. And so I think that's important, too, in going a, a long way towards, like I said, validating people, representation. Um, that that podcast that I mentioned earlier, there's um, uh, a, an author, his last name is Lavelle. I forget his first name, maybe Robert. Uh, but he wrote a book called The Ballad of Black Tom, which is basically... I just put that in my in my... Shopping basket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, that's I, funny you say that. Wow. I, I did. I I just bought it. I have not read it yet. But it, <laughs> it basically, he's he's a, a black guy who was born mm-hmm. and raised in New York, who read H.P. Lovecraft's The Horror at Red Hook, and oh. wrote the story from the perspective of from the different perspective of a character who is in that story, basically. Oh wow, that sounds like a really cool concept, actually. Yeah, and, and so and he was and so he's talking about this, but then he even kind of ends uh, the episode and talking about like you know he he talks about this story in class, but then a, a a woman student raised her hand like I notice you don't really have a lot of women characters in this. You have one, but it's kind of pushed aside. And he admits mm-hmm. his natural reaction was like to be defensive because it's his work, but then also like but yeah, there's there's right. still going to be people that are not being represented, so. I, I think yeah. it's it's great that this show does that to kind of like, well, we're going to have more women characters in here. We're going to have more of these. And, and so I think that's a great step. Um, Definitely. But, okay, James, the uh, the thrilling, <laughs> well, not conclusion, but climax to it. But, uh, yes. Uh, and spoilers, I mean, if you have not yet watched the, the episode, I don't know why you'd be listening to this episode. <laughs> but um, heavy spoilers for, for the, the conclusion of, of the, the pilot sundown for Lovecraft Country. But... What did you think of the Shoggoths? What did you think of that whole sequence? What are your thoughts in general? I mean, you know, so, you know, like spoilers, you know, we see that the the hell they went through, the sheriff is now one of the beasts. He's infected. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get away, and now they have no car, and they walk to Artem, and they see this huge, you know, like it's kind of barren, you know, except for this one, at least from what we see, this huge mansion. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, with the little not the, the little look at the car, like wait a second, and then just the door, like they didn't even ring the bell or knock on the door. The guy just opens the door. Oh, we've been expecting you. What welcome home? What, welcome home. Yep. We've been expecting, and it's like that's never a good thing to hear from anybody, even if from, you wanted to go there. From the most Aryan-looking motherfucker yes. you could possibly yeah. imagine. Well, or like. Funny enough, earlier in the show, when they described who Montrose left with, oh, yeah, the, yeah. I think he says he looked like one of um, um, the, the the one group, basically like Haley's Comets or whatever his like whatever I forgot yeah, the yeah, band yeah. back mm-hmm. then, which they were all like blonde hair, blue eyed, you know, good old American boys. Yeah, yeah. And and it's like just hor- like horrifying to me, like seeing a guy like that. Like it looks like like. <laughs> Funny enough, this looks like one of the Trumps, you know, like, like ah, <laughs> go back, go back. No, but you're, you're not wrong. Yeah, and, you know, right away you're like, okay. Like, <laughs> what I kind of love is you know this guy's evil. Oh, like, yeah. I just, you just know it. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, it, there's no surprise there. But my, the surprise is going to be, at least for me, how evil this person is. Like, mm-hmm. what makes this person evil besides just the way he looks like you know he, he, you know it's one of those things where 
oh, the villain. Oh, is that the villain? Oh, he's twirling his mustache. Oh, I guess he is, you know. <laughs> or, or he has a laugh that what the moment someone's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, you're evil. No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm helping you. It's like, no, you, there's something, there's something, you're just weird. You're just creeping me out. So why did this guy come and pick up Montrose mm-hmm. with the, you know what I mean? So like they picked up in the car, like it's all these questions that you're still asking and, you know, it, the show gives you enough questions, especially with that that climax, that 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 stinger, you know, that like, oh man, you know, coming up, you know, next time on Of Grand Country, you're like, yeah, this is this makes me want to see the next episode. I want to know who this guy is and where Montrose is, and is he the same or has he been altered in some way already? Like, you know, there's all these little things in my head kind of going crazy, and then I I just have to go again with the music choice. Um, Nina Simone Sinnerman playing over the credits yeah. mm-hmm. is, you know, if you know that song, that song's amazing. And just to creep in, it's like, oh, Sinnerman, where are you going to run to? Sinnerman, where are you going to run to? Where are you going to run to all in that day? It like, it fits so well. And you're like, okay, where is this? <laughs> and I'm in. Like, you know, I can't wait to watch the next episode. Hopefully, HBO has their stream a little more. A little better, <laughs> you know. The little thing it was like a 15 minutes off on my end, so luckily it did start going. But like you know, it's probably like 10 seconds here, 15 seconds seconds there that I probably missed some dialogue that I kind of was like because would freeze and then kind of skip ahead. And you're like, no, no, what? I'm like, but if I rewind it, it's gonna get all screwed up. I'm like, you know what? Okay. Yeah, it's kind of pissed me off. It's, I was like, it's funny you know, that you mentioned that because I, I I I didn't have any big or even you know kind of minor problems with the stream i was doing off hbo max as well but i did notice there was every now and again like a slight flicker in my picture and i couldn't tell if that was maybe the connection of the computer or if it was something to do with the stream but it would almost kind of seem like it was um like uh like where a movie not not trying to disorient people but it but almost like like a a couple frames like where were like cut out that right. if you're not if you're not paying close attention, you might miss it, or you might just be like, "Wait, did I did I imagine that, or did that actually happen?" But I I have to imagine because of how spread throughout the episode it was, it was something with the stream itself versus any kind of effect um, that yeah. they were intentionally adding. Um, but yeah, I wanna I wanna talk about the the Shagas and this the showdown with the sheriffs because um, fantastic amount of gore and couldn't have happened to worse people. Um, yeah. Especially the the guy that gets his like jaw pretty much bitten off of his face, yeah, uh, which is Love wonderful. That. But it, this is also um, there. There are some things which are made up or, or or created for the episode or transposed from certain other things, like the that exchange between Atticus and that woman uh, at the beginning when they're talking about like, oh, what are you reading and that kind of that that happens. To a certain extent, but with a different character in a different mm. circumstance in the book. But okay. um, so that's one thing. But then the this climax with the Shagos at night and how they devour these police officers is, from what I can remember, probably the the most dramatic change because mm-hmm. that sequence does happen in the sense that this, these police officers, you know, uh, pull them over at night, pull them out into the woods. Um, some type of creatures in the woods get them, but then after, you know, these police officers are kind of picked off one at a time, um, Letitia 
creates a diversion by setting the police officer's car on fire and then they kind of get away and they drive away so there's no cabin there's no extended sequence like that and so this was something that they really kind of built on which i i understand like you have a horror tv show you have to have a horror sequence you have to have something which you know you 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 know shake your money maker if you will (laughs) um and so the cabin wasn't there which i thought was an interesting uh inclusion because uh you kind of have now that sort of zombie film element where you're barricading yourself inside because of a a threat outside and then but then also the biting Mm -hmm. changes this thing into another thing which is also not something in the book which is an an interesting element that i'm wondering well what what they'll do with that and right tell me if you if you if you thought of this as well inside a cabin with a deer head on the wall i was like (laughs) Evil Dead? Like, the Necronomicon is in the Evil Dead. I'm, I'm wondering if that was on purpose. That seems like a... It has to be, like, a like a joke. Because, funny enough, talking about the um, zombie... Little zombie almost feel to that one scene. Um, the guy who uh, directed the pilot... Um, I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, Jan... Jan Demange. Mm-hmm. So, he's, he's a French filmmaker... And I know him from, you know, he made the film uh, 71 a couple of years ago, like a war film. And uh, But I also know him from a miniseries he did in England in 2008 called Dead Set. Okay. And Dead Set's a fantastic, like, horror comedy drama miniseries where it's a show that takes place in a fictional version of Big Brother. Okay. And it's five episodes over five nights and... It chronicles a zombie outbreak that strands the housemates and production set inside this Brig Brother house, <laughs> and they have to quickly shelter from the undead. And it's like, so it's like they're still being filmed, mm-hmm. but it's like also you have these zombies trying to get in, and it's and it was funny because it was on I think the same channel as the Big Brother, so it almost felt like you know and it had cameos by former big brother housemates from england you know so it was very tongue-in-cheek but it was like really fun stuff i think it was on on um what was it called uh oh crap i think i can't remember but charlie brooker wrote it okay who went on to do black mirror yeah so so like you know what i mean so it's just funny that like he did this little five-part thing that kind of made fun of you know Made fun of like like crappy you know TV shows like that reality shows you mm. know competition but put in a horror world and like we see what he's done with Black Mirror where sci-fi horror is a good mix and then like you know it's all these like different aspects so like the director you know at least for the pilot you know they got like a a cool name that you know gave it a little more of a feel to it so that's one of those weird things about TV shows where. Is every show going to, is every episode going to feel the same or is like, are they going to change it up? You know, each one is directed by, I think, different people, or at least you're going to have different, you know, filmmakers taking part in this. So it's, to me, it's always interesting to see like, okay, that's definitely the episode this person directed, but Mm -hmm. that episode is a little more dramatic. So they got a more like dramatic director. You know, I, I kind of like when shows do that, when it's not just the same director Nonstop, but then you know, then again, like something like the first season of, um, uh, what was it called? Uh, I can't remember. But like, 
you know, I'm tired, so you know, it's not my fault. <laughs> but but I, but sometimes it works too when a, a good filmmaker will do like six episodes of a show and like it's like one, it's almost like an extended movie. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that works too. But like something like Lovecraft Country, like if we have episodes where it's almost like a monster of the week. I won't be disappointed. I, I, you know, it'll be okay if you take almost like a backseat to the story for one episode just to kind of like a breather. Yeah. To go, okay, let's get a little more backstory, but they're not going to be going through hell. You know, like, you know, we need to like settle in for a little bit. So maybe that's what the second episode will be like. A, okay, let's inter- introduce these these new people that we're going to see why this town is their yeah, yeah. home. Why are they, why, why, why is Montrose and Atticus and maybe, you know, even Letitia and George, like, why are they needed here? Yeah, well, and, and yeah, without spoiling really much of anything, I can say, yeah, so this episode was very much like, here are the characters who are going to be, that you're going to be following. The next episode is going to be a lot more of like, and here is the world that they're going to be exploring, or here is what is going to be driving them <laughs> um, forward. So, but but even, I mean, even based on that preview of like, on the weeks to come, there's a lot of stuff from like, well, Okay, I, I don't remember that sequence, but it's cool to see what they're going to be doing with this one. So I'm cool. I'm very curious as to how they're going to be expanding on it, and I, I I have to imagine Matt Ruff was sitting watching it, and I'm sure he's he's already he he saw a cut well before any of us did. But I I have to imagine yeah. he's quite pleased with what they've done with it, because um, I mean, like I said, you you had you hadn't seen any of this. My wife was watching it with me. She had. She has not read one page of the book. She's avoid. She has avoided reading any reviews, any think pieces, and she loved that she was on board with it. And so it's like, yeah, let's let's get to this, let's get to this next episode. Um, one one weird thing. What what did you think of the look of the Shargoths? Did, did you like how they? Because I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. no, like, no, no, I'll be honest. Like, it, it reminded me of the Samael from Hellboy. Yeah. Right, like it was very only only a little more stripped down. Like didn't have like the crazy yeah. like headpieces, but those are very much, you know, in the world of Lovecraft. So mm-hmm. it almost seems like. But then again, you know, they I understand, you know, they're very basic looking. They're very, you know, they're kind of like when you play something like Doom and like the orcs, yeah, you know, yeah. like okay, it's just the orcs. They're scary at first, but then after a while, it'll be like okay, it's the same thing. But I, I kind of like that the sheriff one is a little different. Yeah, like he bit. had more teeth. Mm-hmm. Like he looked to me, he looked more evil. And plus, he still had some of his clothes on, so, <laughs> so it looked it's weird. Kind of, it's like the Incredible Hulk, yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it, it proves it proves the Hulk correct. When you when you, you no matter how big you get, it's still gonna be <laughs> tattered still, on you. Still the pants on. But yeah, yeah but they they weren't like mind blowing. I wasn't like, oh my god, these things look great. Like they were like, oh okay, they're cool from what I see. But again, I think being at night, they they don't want they want to show you just enough, but not too much. When he when he describes them to Letitia shortly before that sequence starts, when he's like, you know, it's just a, a blob with a bunch of eyes. Um, one of the things I, I like about artist depictions of Lovecraftian creatures is just kind of how they look so unlike things that exist on in real life. And, and so, granted, there's nothing which is covered with eyes like that, but it's still like it was, you know, kind of running around on four legs and just kind of seemed like a a, a souped up version of something which we may have drawn from inspiration in nature where I was, I was like if we see a shark I'm like let's see something fucking yeah. way out there because I, I think in the book they they don't they don't explicitly label them as shagos and I, I don't think the characters actually or at least our main characters ever clearly see 
what mm. the thing is very much. And so, of course, you can't do that in this. You have to show the audience something. Um, yeah. But now that I'm saying this, I'm even wondering, like, okay, but was that was that an actual Shargoth, or was that just, like, Atticus was talking about this Lovecraftian thing, and it just turns out, like, there is weird shit out there, but it's just not this explicit thing. Right, and, and like, like I said, with the, um, the sheriff being bitten and tra- transforming, it almost feels like all of them were, like, transformed from people. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're not pure. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, you know what I mean? Like, kind of like we've, we've, we've watched stuff or, like, t- you know, talked about movies and stuff where minions or, like, the, you know, the worshippers get transformed into something that's horrific but yeah. still looks human-like, you know, bipedal, but, like, almost, like, knuckle-dragging and... <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I take it like that. It's not as bad. You know, it's kind of like, okay, that's why it seems of nature, of human nature, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because it is. That's it what is, they yeah, are. No, that's, that's, a, that's a good but point. But what if we do see one, like like a real, like one that's from the old gods and like, you know, oh shit, what the hell is that? Like, <laughs> you know, something with like multiple heads and like just like this endless, like almost like um, infinity, like mo- motion, you know, like, it's almost like a snake, but it's floating and you go, mm-hmm. okay, I don't know what the hell that is. That's frightening, you know, like, especially like some depictions I've seen of like some of them and you go, well, okay, that artist just went crazy with that idea. And I, I love that. So that's what I'm hoping for. Maybe we'll get something crazier later on. These are just like the, um, just the, the, the random, not even bosses. So you just get like the random like monsters you have to fight that you'll survive this, but what's going to come after them what what transformed them initially <laughs> right. yeah. you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah so. if, if, if this is what the minions look like what is yeah what is the what is the uh the head boss look like at the end but, yes exactly um, but yeah if you're if you're listening to this episode on a computer or on a phone open up a tab or your browser just do a google image search image search for shoggoth and uh see what comes up it's yeah it's 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 strange <laughs> um the if i if i did have a kind of a gripe or complaint it's a minor one but um this this episode does it has to do the heavy lifting of a pilot so there's a lot of exposition a lot of dialogue which is kind of like a little bit clunky um but just in the sense of uh um thankfully as we said like no kind of slapdash adr like oh man good thing that car that that car i saw earlier came back i I know i hate that so much (laughs) there is a whole lot of like okay we 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 have to learn who these characters are the relationships what's going on and so um it it can't take as much time as it can in the book to kind of you know draw that out but but also my wife made a very good point her and i just started watching well for her watching for me rewatching deadwood and that (laughs) that's that pilot has to do a whole lot of like, wait, who, where, where are we? What's this? What? And, and like, yes. that's a, that's a big show with a lot of characters. So it has to do with like a whole lot. And even at the end, you're like, wait, who is Tom Driscoll? Like, what the hell is going on right now? You're, you're no, you're right. I, uh, Deadwood's one of my top five shows of all time. So it's like, yeah, that pilot feels so off from the rest of the show. When you, when you finally get past that, it's almost like, again, going back to a video game analogy, the, beginning of a game where you have to have like all this setup like you know like the text and you're like okay i don't want to read let me just get into the game yeah and once you get into the game you're like okay now give me a little bit here and there you keep you know you can keep repeating who the main villain is keep that name in my head 
So when I do see this thing, oh, okay, shit, that's Gammy. Holy crap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that's who I've been trying to find to get Princess Zelda back. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Something like that makes sense. But, yeah, like, it's almost like, oh, this is Deadwood. Oh, what? You, what's Deadwood? Well, it's a town that was, yeah, it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the history lesson. <laughs> yeah. But they're like, wait, who's who's this guy and who are they? Okay. Yeah. Who's swearing Shin again? Oh, he's the guy that curses a lot. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but I, I never. I mean, you mentioned video games. No video game um, beginning will ever be more than just, uh, of course, the all-time classic "Bad Dudes," in which uh, they just tell you the president has been kidnapped and ask, yes. "Are you a bad enough dude, enough dude to get him back?" It's like the best '80s action movie that was never made. I, I just, I just love the idea. Like, okay, the president has been kidnapped. Who should we turn to? <laughs> He's bad dudes. These, these two random guys from the street are clearly the most well-equipped. Yeah. Hey, I'd, I'd watch that movie, actually. I mean, maybe they did make a movie, and they just called it uh, Escape from New York. I don't know. <laughs> he's so, a bad dude. You're right. He's a pretty bad dude. Um, the, the only... I, I, can't even, I can't even say this is a complaint, just mm-hmm. a, a, a nice-to-have. He's probably too old, but when I was reading the book... Mm-hmm. Uncle George, I kept picturing him as Clark Peters in my brain. Okay. Um, which, and maybe that's just the wire connection with also Michael K. Williams. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're um, Clark, uh, Clark Peters played um, uh, Lester Fremont in in the Wire for those uh, HBO connoisseurs, um, and was also <clears throat> going back to something we've talked about in this episode as well, was in uh, *The Five Bloods*. But I just kept picturing him. He probably is way too old at this point. I think he's he's got to be in his sixties or his seventies. But that's wow. that's who that's who is uh, in my brain this whole time. And, and I think that might just be because. Um, well, let me see. Clark Peters born nineteen fifty two, so that would make him. Oh wow. So, yeah, 60, 68. So okay. He, so he's getting up. He's getting up there. But and maybe just because Courtney B. Vance. My main exposure to him before this was uh, Law and Order, so I just kept picturing the assistant DA. So I wanted, oh, right. I, I wanted something else in my brain. I forgot that he was in that. Yeah, and and plus, he was actually really good as Johnny Cochran recently in The People vs. O.J. Simpson, which I have not seen. It's it's good, even though it's something I don't. But he, and Courtney B. Vance is sixty. Oh, okay. So not that far. Okay. So not too far, but it's but it's just funny, like like they they. The thing that always blows my mind is that he's been married to Angela Bassett for years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, that's like such a power couple to me right there. But, <laughs> I, I, but I think he's really good. But like, yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. When you, when you picture someone, when you read something, you go, yeah, that, I don't see it 100% yet. But usually, like, when it's a good actor, by the end, you'll be like, oh, yeah, no, I, I definitely can see him as the character. Then the funny thing is, if you ever reread it, then you'll never get that. Yeah, the picture that, out of your head. Yeah, that image, and, and that's that's what you say. Like it might have just been I could I can picture Clark Peters as an old guy because I've seen it more recently. Whereas Courtney B. Vance, when he was on yes. Law and Order: Criminal Intent, that was like early two thousands. So like I, I'm only used to him as like a thirty something year old guy for the most part. <laughs> um, so it might be that. But uh, but then on the flip side, I will say the the scene when they're in the diner and there's it gives you a piece of information, a piece of information, piece, until it's revealed like. Oh, we got to get the fuck out of here. That was done yes. perfectly. I, I oh, love how that sequence was done. It, that was like white knuckle where you're like, oh my God. And they keep seeing, and like, 
the move the moving the little i'm like oh my god get out of there get out of there <laughs> and she comes running out we gotta yeah. get the fuck out of here <laughs> so good yeah oh so good that's that's, that's <laughs> real good but um i don't know james uh, any 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 final thoughts anything else on on this uh this premiere of lovecraft country no i mean i think we kind of said a lot a lot more you know we, we spoiled it but in a way that we went through it. If anyone's, like you said, if anyone's listening to this, I think they watched the episode. But you know, so, unless yeah. someone's going to stumble upon, well, let's see if it's a... <laughs> but if they see the length of the episode, I think they'll know, oh, okay, they might have went a little bit more. It's not like 10 minutes where we just go, oh, that was really good. Why? Yeah, oh, because of this, this, and this. You know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, spent, we spent only like 25 minutes on... Um, uh, on Chill, which uh, that was a feature-length film... <laughs> And rightfully so. <laughs> right. right. And which we actually didn't hate. But yeah, no. Uh, yeah, no, I, I got I got nothing else uh nothing much else. I mean we 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 I'll be honest, we talked more about it than I than I thought we would. Um Same. but yeah. it's I mean I'm I'm so pleased with how this turned out. I, I hyped it up a lot in my mind and I think it delivered and I'm just uh, I'm really excited to see the next episode and where this series goes. Same here. Now I'm, I'm in for the ride. And like, actually, I kind of want to wait to read the book until after I watch the show, just so I kind of go in blindly with each episode. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I'd be I'd be curious to to get your thoughts on that. Speaking of a similar situation, my brother recently texted me the other day, asking me if it was vital to read The Color mm-hmm. Out of Space before he watched Richard Stanley's version of it. I'll I'll be honest. Like, I'll give an example of my girlfriend. She watched Color Out of Space. Never having read anything Lovecraft at all, mm-hmm. and she liked it. You know, she liked just the story and like how creep creepy it was. And it's one of those things where I start now. She sees certain things like you know Lovecraftian stuff where she'll be like, "Oh, is that Lovecraftian?" Like, yeah, actually, that is like that's a, that's a good call. Or stuff that like I might not even think of. Go, well, maybe that is actually. We'll have to have to investigate a little bit more. But. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't think you have to read the story, but I think it it kind of helps. But I think sometimes sometimes watching the thing first and then going back to read the story might even make the story better because you almost have like I don't know. It's it's almost like you go right into the story. You're like, okay, I have kind of like depictions of everybody. Oh, this is different. Oh, this is interesting. How it goes this way instead yeah. of that way. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I ultimately told them. It wasn't necessary. Um, Stanley clearly has a, really appreciates the story, but he also has his yeah. own vision for it. So, exactly. Uh, I, I, like it's funny because his and and Juan Vu's are, I think are two of the better Lovecraftian adaptations out there. Juan Vu's is very much like, well, we don't we don't have a lot of money, so what can we do? And Stanley's like, okay, I got budget. What can, what can I do with it? <laughs> so it's it's two it's two different approaches, but. Um, yeah, that's um, that's it for our uh, our review of Sundown, the premiere episode of Lovecraft Country. Um, it's late, so I'm kind of forgetting our spiel. But I guess James, <laughs> James is no uh, no, I'm Nolan. Fix his teeth on Twitter. James is fistful of media. The show is uh, Cast Cthulhu, where you can also find uh, the cast of Cthulhu on Facebook, um, and the cast of Cthulhu on um, pretty much anywhere you get your your podcast but uh we we should go james this is your first day of vacation i am back to work tomorrow so, ah. um but yeah that, that's uh so we're gonna have to wrap this up but um 
next episode, which is, um, as we have said on the previous episode, is uh, talking with David Bax of Battleship Retention about Stuart Gordon's dreams in the Witch House. Mm-hmm. Um, I should check in with him because he said uh, he had that was the first Lovecraft thing that he read. So maybe I'll right. I'll see. I'll see. I'll follow up and see if he's a, if he's further gone down the the cosmic horror path. But um, <laughs> yeah. So um, do tune in uh, next time where we'll be talking to David Bax about the dreams in the witch house. And uh, in the meantime, we'll be waiting and dreaming with Dead Cthulhu in his house in Relia. Really, uh,